The birds are ruining it. <laughs> the chirping in the back. I have my windows open because it's like really nice. And I thought, oh, it's so zen. Maybe that'll be good for, but maybe I should tell them to Buzz shut off. Sh- shut it. Shut the hell up. <laughs> I'm recording. You got your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you go back to your Audubon podcast, Audubon Society podcast. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> oh my goodness. <sighs> Good evening. And welcome to Just Try. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> that was the podcast. <laughs> we're done. It was just the birds. Oh, man. Well, it is spring, so we're going to talk about spring cleaning. Yes. I mean, the birds are they're trying to let everyone know that it is spring. You know, they're not going to, like, come in and help me clean <laughs> like they probably would have for Cinderella. Right. I was going to say, yeah, the, I mean, You're not making dresses for me or anything like that. Right. The mice and all of that. No. Although yeah. that would be kind of disturbing if mice just started showing up. You know, I mean, <laughs> yes, please, please no. <laughs> We're not trying to manifest that. Keep your needle and sewing thread to yourself. <laughs> Little mice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I always love that scene though in Cinderella. I know it's a great one. It's a really good You know, one. I uh I used to address myself as Cinder Amy whenever my mom would make me do housework. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> not dramatic. Not dramatic. At all. So here's my question. Are you gonna wear a ball gown while you do spring cleaning? Of course. <laughs> yes. I have to be Instagram ready. Oh man. <laughs> I find that you, when you clean, when you really like deep dive and clean, you develop what I like to call a natural glow, which really shows up without a need for a filter when you do take that picture. The natural glow. Yes. <laughs> oh God, cleaning. Bleh. Bleh. Well, it can also be, I mean, yes, it can be tough, but I think there's also ways to motivate yourself to tackle the spring cleaning. I mean, you're coming out of the winter time, you're brushing off the Dorito crumbs, you're emerging <laughs> so many. from the hibernation chamber. Oh, Oreo <laughs> crumbs, Cheeto, Cheeto dust, all of it. Yeah. And you're like, okay, let me, now that the light shines into the dark corners of my room, <laughs> It's like a canvas, right? So you want a clean canvas that you can dirty up for the next season. You yes. want you also want the right sort of elements on your canvas. Right. You want to consider the color palette. You want to consider the emotion you're evoking with that palette as you start to like shape the environment. And it and it has so much to yes. do with how you feel in your day-to-day, the environment that you're working in. It's so important. For sure. Everyone has a different relationship to cleanliness, to organization, to the accumulation of items. Depending on the environment you grew up in, you may be like very resistant to it, or you may really lean into it. It's, I mean, I I know my relationship with cleaning was intense because my mom had a really intense relationship with cleanliness. There had to be order and 
you know, like the dust inspections and, you know, like, oh no, they're coming up the stairs, shove everything under the bed and pretend like your room is clean, right? You know, and then like weekends, it was free labor. So get in the bathroom, put the gloves on. No, we didn't even have gloves. Are you kidding? We were using, <laughs> using Comet, that abrasive, right? You know, <laughs> cleaning, inhaling all the fumes, really loving life. <laughs> Child of the 80s, you know, we didn't read labels. We just no went went for it. I think that that's helpful though, that background of how you grew up and your relationship with cleaning as well as with your stuff. Yeah really matters. I know for me, stuff has always been an interesting component of my life because I didn't have much stuff to begin with. I shared a room with my two sisters and didn't have any space or privacy or anything that was really mine. Everything was communal. And so as I grew up and came into adulthood, I had trouble letting go of things and I would just acquire things the things that I acquired, it was almost, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a hoarding mentality, but it was like the fear of scarcity was always driving everything I was doing. And so then I went through a phase where when I made the big move to DC, I realized like I had kept all this paperwork from all these years, all these nostalgic memories. And so then I had to just kind of purge all of those things. And it actually felt really good, really liberating. Um, I got all of my stuff down to a very manageable size that I could take it in a very small U-Haul trailer that I hooked to my SUV and drag up. And it was, I think, very therapeutic to go through that process and figure out like, what do I actually need to keep versus what can I shred and recycle? I don't have the same relationship to stuff that I used to have. Yeah. It's interesting. I think you know, our relationship, our relationship to physical objects can change as we go through different cycles in life. I was someone who saved every single greeting card I ever got back as far as I had control over my own possessions. So, you know, like elementary school, late elementary school, I have birthday, I had birthday cards from when I was like nine or 10 And I had them in a giant utility chest. I think it was my dad's old tool chest that he gave to me to put stuff in because he got a better one. Oh, wow. And it was lined with red velvet. And on the outside, I mean, this is- It was your your boudoir of cards. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a really old tool chest. They had like little components inside and um, the outside was all silver. So it had a lock and key. And every time I got anything that I I guess in my head felt sentimental, I'd put it in there. And my thought process was if I ever had to like dip out real fast, I could just take it and go. I don't know why I was thinking this way at like 12. That's normal though, to think about your escape route. Yeah. Fire. How do I get out of my window? I need to punch out the screen. It was more like if I have to escape my life really fast, it was more that it was not like fear of fire. It was more like, what if I have to run away because I did a really bad thing? How quickly could I get out of here? Like, no, I used to pick the thing up every once in a while and be like, okay, is this heavy? Yeah, this is pretty heavy. If I, if I had to carry it down the stairs, would it make a sound? Would, would the weight of it like 
make the floorboards creak. Oh no, I got super micro with, and it's no wonder I, I went into detailed oriented professions because I was thinking about every possible scenario. Meanwhile, my mom would have been like, bye, see ya, have a nice life. I, uh, I opened, you know, I like, I moved out of my parents' house and I had these things now, which, because after some time it exceeded the capacity of that little tool chest. That's what happens when you're, when you're popular (laughs) or when you're a hoarder. And I, um, had those Tupperware bins filled with papers and cards and all sorts of things. And it was just kind of stacking up over time in my closet. I don't remember what what instigated it. It could have been watching one of the many amazing documentaries or reading books. Like, you know, I think I was listening to the Minimalist podcast. I watched oh, yeah. her documentary. Then, of course, like the you know Marie Kondo tidying up, and there have been other things. The big thing although was my introduction to feng shui in my early 20s. Ooh. Feng shui really I think was the was the big pushing force in examining my environment and the things I had in it. Mm. So I would say like once a year, I'd kind of go through a lot of the stuff, but I still wasn't at the point where I could get rid of it. So what I was doing was I was organizing it. And so I did that for like 10 years. And then finally, I don't remember what, what made me decide to do this. Again, it could have been one of those documentaries that I watched, but I was like, I need to get rid of some of this stuff. And at that point, some of the relationships had soured that were related to the items I had been holding on to. Class notes from, from high school, like notes that I would send back and forth between friends. I had them all in a binder. Like they were organized by friend. <laughs> so all this stuff. And I'm like, why, why am I holding on to this? Did you pit one friend against another like Mortal Kombat? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know me a little bit. Obviously <laughs> I did. So I, I just spent probably three days going through every single item, like touching it, smelling it, tasting it, like whatever I had to do to get the full essence of what was in that thing. And the bigger question was, why did I save this? Why did I think this was worth saving? So I would sit with the thought of, or the, the emotion and the sentiment that went into that item. And once I fully appreciated the item, Mm-hmm. I either took a picture of it or I said, okay, I'm done. Thank you. And gone. And it, it took some time. And, you know, I had to do the process a few times. There were some times where like the maybe pile was just too big and I would just let it sit there. Cause there's no urgency. It was mm-hmm. just like, okay, let me, I'll just do it later. And then I'd wait maybe another year and I'd revisit it again. I whittled down that pile eventually until it was, a much, much smaller pile. It was cathartic. You kind of relive your whole life mm-hmm. when you, I mean, you know, I'm no, you've moved quite a bit. So you've probably have done that a lot yeah. yourself, but I, I think it's a good process for anyone to go through. 
Yeah, it sounds, I, I like, what I like about that process is that you didn't push yourself to go through everything at once. And when you felt a little bit more of that, I don't know if you want to call it an emotional charge or connection mm-hmm. or attachment to a specific item that you weren't really in the moment ready to address. You had that self-awareness to say, I need to set this aside. Yeah. Not ready to let go of this. Maybe I will be in, I don't know, three months or six months, or sure. maybe you come back to it next year for spring cleaning, set it aside. But some things it's like that full appreciation you were talking about. It just gives you the opportunity to really take in what that item means to you and reflect on it and then consider whether that's something that you need to keep revisiting. What's interesting is how we hold on to these things that we've just held on to for no reason at some point than just holding on to it because we've been holding on to it for so long. And I know sometimes that's, that's been my struggle with some items. Like I've winnowed down a lot of the old items that I have. I just pulled um last year when I drove down to Florida and back I knew my mom was going to be moving this year Mm -hmm. and so I knew there were still two bins of my items in her garage and so I said can I get those bins so that I can bring them back and go through them and I I ended up cutting it a little more than in half I I cleared out an entire bin and then another quarter of the other one so I ended up keeping you know, I guess about a third or so of what was in there. And I mean, this is like really precious items to me, my writing, my music, there were some cards in there. There were some photos in there, Mm -hmm. uh, letters from friends. And, but I did get rid of a lot of those other things too. I got rid of some photos. I got rid of some letters and it was really about what in reflecting, like what I knew I was going to want to continue to revisit. And it would bring me that memory and that special experience. And I wanted to still have that item to hold on to. Yeah. And I like what you said about thanking the item before you let it go. I think that's a great part of Marie Kondo's process. Right. I don't know how many of our listeners have, have read or experienced Marie <laughs> Kondo in some way, but she's changed my life when it comes to folding clothes. <laughs> the third, the, the method of thirds. I love that method. I think about her every time I have to fold a towel. Me too. <laughs> Um, no, but you know, the process of going through the items and really feeling unsure, it's something you want to pay attention to because I don't know if you're like this, but I feel different every season. There's a different energy of every time of every season of the year. I might look at something in May and be like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I want to get rid of this. And then in December, I might have more of a feeling of finality mm-hmm. or, or, you know, closure about certain things. Yeah. I might be ready to let it go. So there's nothing wrong with, I mean, you really have to know who you are to know how to approach things. I'm really sentimental. So I need to fully give myself time to digest something. Like I had cards from my um, maternal grandmother, like things where she'd scribbled her, you know, her name Yeah. and she's no longer here. So like, I would look at those and I would think to myself, she touched this, right? Her hands touched this. She wrote a message of love and she gave this to me. Right. And you know, things like that, I would hold on to just because I felt like it's wrong to throw this out. Right. But then 
the, and this is so morbid. I can't like, this is not something I normally share with people, but I'm going there. I would think sometimes what if there was a fire, God forbid, and I lost things. Yeah. Would I give a second thought to this particular card? Mm -hmm. What would be the things that I would feel like I forgot I even had it. Mm -hmm. If I forgot, I even had it. Yeah. Will it matter if I don't have it anymore? Mm-hmm. That was one big thing. And the other thing is like the things you hold on to that you're afraid you're going to find again, if you lose it, you can find almost anything mm-hmm. again. You know, it's okay to, it's okay to let stuff go. You just, yeah, you make room for something new. I think that's a great transition point because if you have this vision of your space, your environment, your a way you want to reorganize, whether it's your linen closet or your files or your home office or your bedroom, your video games, whatever, yeah, your video <laughs> games, whatever it is, your DVDs. I know some of you still have DVDs. I know I do. I organize them by genre, but everybody, <laughs> everybody has their own sort of like approach, but if you're, if you're looking to implement that vision, you have to create space. Like I have this rule. If I buy a new item of clothing, I have to get rid of like, give away an item of clothing because closet space is a premium in my small condo. And so I I have to watch that because the clothing can very easily, especially with the amount of um, workout clothing that I've acquired, (laughs) it can easily become overwhelming. And so like I, even recently I went through and there were some, you know, I don't want to say athleisure because I, I do use my workout clothes in the way right. they're, they're intended, but I, I'm literally like drowning in it, but I go through, you know, I work out so much that I go through yeah. so many outfits and leggings and sports bras and everything. So I need to make sure that I have enough. Yeah. But I, but there were a few items that I noticed that consistently I wasn't wearing. Right either because they chafe in the wrong place <laughs> or I didn't like the material. I'm like, why am I holding on to this? And part yeah. of it is that I know you probably have a similar thing where it's like money was spent on this and therefore yeah, I must keep it. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and letting it go is hard. I have a hard time. I had a really hard time letting go of clothes. I had, um, so at my townhouse, I had two closets. One was a walk-in and one was like, you know, just a really big closet. And one closet was dedicated entirely to Indian garb that I didn't wear, but for like special occasions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as what happens with most people, your body changes, you know, maybe you were thinner in some, some areas and now you filled out more there. So those clothes are so tailored they tend not to be forgiving if your body changes. Mm-hmm. And while you can always get them altered, you know, it's not like how it is in India where there's a seamstress or a tailor, you know, on every block. Right. You know, and unless you yourself have those skills or unless your mom doesn't yell at you every time you say, can you fix this for me, please? <laughs> Thank you. I love you. Um, <laughs> if that's not your situation, then you're basically just, you have a museum in your closet. Yeah. That's and I watched my, yeah, I watched my mom do the same thing. Like she had a museum in her closet of really expensive, beautiful clothing that she just, 
either grew out of style or she just didn't feel like wearing it anymore. Or she moved to a warmer climate where like you don't wear heavy clothes like that anymore, but for the three weeks a year where it drops down below 50, you know? So she reluctantly gave almost all of them away. Like she just, they went to India, they packed a bunch of it in a suitcase and they brought it and they gave it all away. Wow. And I did the same thing. I gave her probably two suitcases filled with the most expensive, beautiful embroidered clothing that I couldn't fit in anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, there was grief there because I felt like I was giving away my culture look, I know this isn't PC and I'm going to say it because I have to be real here. I wasn't going to donate it to Goodwill just to watch someone rocking it out who, for whatever reason, I didn't think should be wearing it. Mm -hmm. So uh, my next door neighbor, her daughter, um, she was, I think at the time, like 15, 14 or 15. And, um, you know, they're Pakistani and I adore them. So I called them over and I was like, try these on. They seem like they'll fit you, you know, and they're really comfortable and I love them and I can't wear them anymore because my boobs grew like four sizes. So (laughs) she loved them. She did a little fashion show and she sent me pictures and it just, it felt good knowing that I was able to give it to someone and feel good about where they ended up. Yeah. And that's, I think the big thing, like if, if you have something that you loved that you can't wear, that you can't use. The sadness and the grief comes with feeling like that thing isn't going to be loved or used anymore. Right. So if you can turn it into a moment where it's like, I want to find a specific audience who, who needs this, who wants this, who will enjoy it. You can transform that grief into something different. You can like build something from it. Right. And that, that is, I think a big motivating point behind why I used to host like swap parties where I'd invite like all of my girlfriends over and I'd say, bring your unloved, unused stuff, whether it's kitchen stuff or clothes or shoes or jewelry or whatever and bring it. And we'll have a community of like a small community of women. I used to call it the Salvation Amy swap. (laughs) And everyone would sit down on the floor. We'd have like food and drinks and music. And we'd just look at each other's stuff, try it on, walk around, you know, and like get a consensus. Like, oh, that looks so good on you. You should keep it. It's it's for you. And it was such a positive way to let go of things. Oh, I love it. I think that's so great. I've been to a couple of uh, book swaps yeah. and those have been super fun because, you know, I will drop buku bucks in a, in a bookstore, <laughs> buku bucks on a bookstore. Yeah. And, and, and so it's nice to be able to feel like you're shopping for books and getting right. new books. And then you're able to give some books away that books are where I struggled. That is the biggest yeah. issue for me is books. I have such an attachment to books. I know. And my grandfather was the same way. And, um, it's, it, when I really, really love a book and I do sometimes reread books. I think it's a generational thing. I think we came from these generations where your library was reflective of how intellectual and how, and it was, it was like your Facebook profile. You know what I mean? It was just like a, 
a visual representation of who you are, what your interests are, mm-hmm. and um, how dedicated you were to to reading. That's right. And growing. So I, I feel you on that, letting go of books. It's tough. I, the, the book thing is tough. And, you know, the thing is, it's been interesting because, you know, when my grandparents passed away, and again, my my grandfather was a huge hoarder, massive hoarder. And he had a big basement and he had a huge collection of like civil war type artifacts and trains and magazines from like the 1970s. And he had so much, he, he had, I mean, a massive collection, entire room of books and CDs and instruments. He collected musical instruments. I mean, you couldn't even walk, you could barely walk into the bedroom that had all the books and the musical instruments in the basement, you had to kind of like shimmy your way through these crowds of stuff. So as a child, it was like a treasure hunt and it was magical as an adult. It's horrifying because it's been, it's been an awful experience having to watch the impact of that on my mom and the family going through all of that, trying to sell it off trying to figure out what goes, what stays. Some of it has been distributed to, to grandkids or to, um, to the original children. But, but again, like a lot of people, like, I don't want this civil war book or whatever. And, right. And that's where it's like, your stuff is not necessarily your legacy. I mean, there are people who are buying fine art and that is their legacy and that's great. Good for you. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but it's, it's like, having that minimalist lifestyle, there is something to it, to being like, this is what's most important to me. Right. Not that we can all be summarized in a sentence or, you know, in a few things, but I think because I had to move a lot and move to like, I lived in a small studio in the city. I obviously went through a divorce and that in and of itself has been a whole experience of, there were so many things acquired during that relationship that it's like, I no longer have a need for a lot of these things. It's very sad. And it's a part of the loss of identity, you know, the, the transition of identities too. You, you do find yourself letting go of things. I know when my spouse and I moved in together, we realized that, we both needed to let go of a lot of things because right. you know it's not a mansion, right? We have to cohabitate and we have to occupy the same space. And we had duplicates of certain things and it was just kind of a, okay, how do we do this? And yeah. When you I'm, both have a teapot, which teapot do you keep, <laughs> right? Yeah. Unless you have a collection, unless you are you know, unless you have an intentional collection and that's the key word, like, are you intentionally trying to grow a collection of something? Mm -hmm. It's it's different than an accumulation, right? And I had a lot of an accumulation of Mm -hmm. items Yeah. and I wanted to feel very intentional, but I also didn't want to be wasteful, right? And kind of going back to your original point of like, these things are expensive. So I think that's where the idea of letting go of things or acquiring new things without the presence of money Mm -hmm. is pretty awesome. Like if you can find someone who needs something and you've got it and you're not using it, give it away. 
mm-hmm. you know, give away as much as you can. Um, because again, like it does make space for, for something, something new and something purposeful, even if it's not new, new, it's new to you. Yeah. And there are giveaway groups like that in a lot of cities that have been springing up and popping up. And obviously I I honestly think that some of these services like Craigslist or what have you have become more of those kinds of things. Cause I know like, even when we were moving, we were trying to get rid of stuff, you know, going on crisis, people just wanted it for free. They didn't want to pay anything. And you're just like, this is a couch. I'm not giving this away for free. (laughs) It's not like it's in a bad disarray. It's a, it's a nice couch, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like it's of course dependent on what the item is, right? right? There are plenty of things where I'm like, I would be happy to give this away for, for free if someone wants to come and take it. And I think this kind of plays into the idea of abundance, yeah. You know, what kind of a world do you believe in? Do you believe in an abundant world mm-hmm. where, you know, you, by giving someone something, it doesn't mean you've lost something, you know, right. or that you're never going to have something like that again. Yeah. Sometimes you go through a phase in your life where you have to downsize. I mean, I definitely recognize that making the move. And so it's, I, I like what you said, because if you believe in abundancy versus scarcity. And it is challenging if you've grown up with a scarcity mentality. That's certainly something that I've been challenged with, but I do believe that the universe is abundant, that things will be provided and, and they always have been, you know, Yeah, completely. I totally agree. I mean, this is all stuff that was hard learned, you know, it's not like I I don't think we woke up and we're like, oh, we're just going to be Zen about all of this. No, there was a lot of like, I don't want to let this go. And I don't, you know, I don't want to give away stuff and I don't want to organize this stuff. And, but I think what I didn't realize when I was starting was how much better I felt like physically and mentally in my body Yeah, when I went through everything and got rid of stuff. And again, I think this also goes back to that initial principle of feng shui and clutter clearing and the energies that different spaces hold in your house. You know, like if you ever get an opportunity to Google a feng shui bagua and and lay it over your floor plan or even like the layout of your bedroom or your kitchen, you may notice like, you may notice some, some things like, oh, this area over here, you know, that's about creativity is where I keep my junk, junk stash or my junk mail. Mm. No wonder I feel so stagnant. I wonder if I moved that or if I cleared it, if it would open something up for me. Mm, That's just like, I think approaching it with curiosity. Okay. I don't want to clean all of this stuff up, but I'm wondering what will open up for me if I do. Maybe something will. Yeah. And if you're looking to shift your energy, which I think spring energy is such a great momentum building time where we start feeling maybe a little bit restless, longer days, more sun, the weather's better. You know, we want to get outside a little bit more, but then you're also sort of, again, seeing things in the light of day, they look a little bit different and you're going, <laughs> wow. Dust I bunnies. Where did yeah. all of these dust bunnies come from? 
Yeah. And you're going, why am I holding on to this? You know, it's, it's definitely a whole, a whole thing, but when you're looking to shift energy, there's, there's changes that you can make. There's the changes that you can control. And there's the things that are sort of outside your zone of control, but going through your things is certainly, especially for a type A person, that is such <laughs> a great exercise to sort of yeah. give you back that sense of control rather than trying to control other people. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely a person, I don't want to tell anybody what to do. I, I very much, but I, I need to be in control of myself. That's how right. I feel about myself, but right. I don't, I don't ever try to control other people, but I definitely want right. to like say like, what's in my zone of what can I manage? What can sure. I sort of think differently about? And stuff is definitely one of those things. I love controlling people. I would be happy to tell everyone <laughs> what to do. Like you need to know what to do. Call me. I will tell you. I've no, not a, it's not a quality that is loved in me by others, but it's one I definitely have. Well, you're appreciated for it. You give great advice. <laughs> Thank you. But I will say that the process of kind of looking at all of the things you have, again, this is morbid, but I'm going there. I've thought about what happens when I die. And someone has to go through my crap. I know. They're going to look at this stuff and be like, she was freaking crazy. Why did she have all this stuff? What even is this? It's broken. <laughs> I didn't know this girl like I thought I did. Like th- I'm assuming these are my children saying this. I don't know that they would call me this girl, but like mom's a psycho. Why did she have this much stuff? You know, I, and I, I, try to look at, I try to look at my space that way sometimes. Like if someone was coming into my space, what's the feeling I want them to have? Well, that's why you clean up for company, right? <laughs> and see, that's the thing with right. the with COVID, you haven't had as many, not just you, but anybody, we haven't been hosting anybody, you know, like yeah. my guest bedroom has been completely unused. There's cat hair on it because my cat, <laughs> my cat sleeps on the, on the, on the guest bed but it's, it hasn't been used in a long time. And so it's that accrual is yeah. where you're like not having to prep for people coming and sure. staying is not as the muscles aren't there. So my guest bedroom, um, you know, I moved into this, this beautiful house back in um, July of last year. And our guest bedroom, obviously during pandemic time was not really being used. And it's where the kitties sleep. The kitties spend all of their days basking in the sun, you know, on the, on the bed. <laughs> so they're like any, at any given time, I'll go in that room to like check on them or pet them. And I'll see the cat fur everywhere. And I'll see just all sorts of things that they've moved not, around. Yeah. That would not ordinarily be in a guest room. Like it's turned into like a utility space. Like we had the printer there because we didn't know where else to put it at the time. And then this woman I'm really good friends with who happens to be on this podcast. Uh, hello. Like, Girl, I'm a stay at your place. So <laughs> get it ready. and I had a reason to clean that room so I cleaned it and I completely transformed the space into what I wanted what I wanted from a room I was staying in oh I loved it it's so zen that's what I wanted I wanted that whoever stayed in that room would feel relaxed 
And as I was looking at the space, I was like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. Why, why am I not doing this for my own space? Why am I, why do I do all these nice, wonderful things for everyone else? Mm -hmm. Why am I not creating a space for myself that makes me feel relaxed and at ease? Right. And so I've started incorporating that in every area of my home, little by little. And it's not something that costs money to do. It's just costing a little bit of effort and time. So, you know, something like arranging things so that when the light falls into the room, you know, if you, if you're someone who likes light, reposition the room so that you get more Mm. light. If you're someone who likes looking at greenery, you know, outside your window, change the orientation of your desk so that you're looking at nature. It's just simple, small choices but it should all be based on what do I enjoy? Not what should I do, but what do I enjoy about my space? Right. And uh, that, that really, that changed, that was a game changer for me, just changing my perspective on, on that. Like that I should turn my space into a retreat for me. That's such a great insight. And, and, and the, you did a great job with the space. I mean, honestly, it was such a relaxing stay. I felt very well loved and cared for. I, I it was like a bed and breakfast. It really was. You know, I like cooking for you. <laughs> and you're an amazing cook. You really are. I'm telling you, you could charge it's for fun. those meals. It's, it's good. Fun. It's, it's good. Fun. Well, I hope you have um a good time spring cleaning. I'm I'm definitely knee deep in trying to get what's your this. method? What is your method for like okay, do you put on do you put on workout clothes? Like, do you prepare like war? Do you put war paint on under? Like, what do you do? Do you put like music on? Yeah. Yeah. I put on I, my ball you gown. Do cocaine. No. Like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> music is key. I think music is key for me. I, I like to blast some music. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast and that gets me like, if I'm feeling in more of that intellectual zone, then I'll do that. If I just need to totally zone out, then I will, like, I can't go through photos and listen to a podcast. Right. If they're sentimental photos, then I need to put on some old nineties music. Yeah. 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 You know, for sure. seriously, like take me back some Mariah Carey, some boys to men, you know, that kind of thing that, of that time. So I like to really think about it almost like a, having a playlist, a, I guess your Spotify list or what have you, but yeah. I think it really matters. I think I also need to make sure that I carve out an amount of time where I'm not going to be disturbed and where I don't have other things yes. that are going to distract me and then moving those devices away from me so that I'm not going to be interrupted. Cause I, I have a goal that I'm going to get through. It could just be this shelf. Mm-hmm. this drawer or this closet. And I like to do mini projects like that. That's really smart. That's really, really smart. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So I'll tackle, okay, I'm going to tackle the fridge today, or yeah. I'm going to tackle the linen closet day. Or sometimes it's just, yeah, this, I'm going to do this drawer because this drawer is yeah. not working for me. Cause you know, I'm opening <laughs> it and it's jamming because the stupid thing, the candle, the, whatever that is, the flicker yeah, yeah, yeah. Is jamming it because there's too much stuff in there. So obviously that's a message. I need to clear out some space. I um I greatly admire you and I aspire to be more like you. Um, 
I am not like you. I, <laughs> I go big and it's go bad. big or go home. No, it's bad. <laughs> so what happens, I, I'm going to share with you guys my process. I hope you don't mind. Um, it's dramatic. Do you put caution tape around the house? Or I anything? should <laughs> orange cones. It's like yeah, a crime I mean, scene. <laughs> I should probably be the only one in the house when this happens because it's terrifying for every <laughs> living creature. What happens first is the first half of the day, um, you know, like I wake up until about mid afternoon. I progressively feel worse and worse and worse and worse. Mm. And I start getting really irritated and nothing is good and everything sucks. And, <laughs> you know, like, it's just all awful. And then the stun, the sun starts to like start setting. And then I'm, I start feeling this sense of urgency. And then it's like 5.30 and I get the idea. What if I, what if I cleaned all the things right now? Like right now, even though like I might have to go to work tomorrow or, you know, like, I should be winding down for the day. No, that's not going to happen. I'm going to put Les Miserables on the soundtrack <laughs> to Les Mis or Hamilton. Yeah. I'll put that, put that on or I'll put in 90s rap, just something that's going to get me going. And then I will make a mess of everything. And I won't be done until like three o'clock in the morning. And wow. I will feel so good. Like- it, I'm manic, just completely crazy and completely <laughs> manic. And, but that, like, that's my process. What's I your know process? I have to let things get so bad until I'm disgusted with myself <laughs> and I'm shaming myself. Oh man. And then I, then I just do it all. And then, yeah. it, you know, yeah. Or another option would be to invite someone over like two days later, because then you have to clean everything. Totally. And that, that's another thing I do. Sometimes I'll be like, oh you, yeah, just come over for dinner. You need I'll, the pressure cooker. You I, need the I pressure need the cooker. Pressure. Yeah. I'm, I'm a procrast- procrastinator and uh, I, need, I need it to be like double dare, I physical think challenge, you know? <laughs> Like look for the red flags, just dig your hand in the, in the, in the slime, find it. Right. Right. <laughs> totally. I think it's important to understand how you work. So, you know, yeah. what works for you. For me, I, I can derive some sense of minor satisfaction from the clean drawer and I try to keep things pretty well organized and there's other things that might stack up, but I will put it in a corner knowing yeah. that I will deal with it when the weekend comes or the following weekend comes, or I will allocate an evening to do that. But yeah, I try not to like put so much pressure on myself that I then become really, yeah, just really stressed out. You be, you try to avoid becoming me. It's beautiful. <laughs> yes. Yes. But you know, it's easier to help people go through their stuff than to go through. Your oh, life. for sure. It's oh fun. Yeah. So much easier. You could be a hero for anyone else, <laughs> but being a hero for yourself is so hard. It's true. It's true. It's I'm true. glad that we gave people like a lot of options between the two varying extremes. <laughs> 
choose your own adventure. Yeah, basically. Cleaning adventure. Yes. But I do recommend music. Music can really help. And then you just feel like you're in a montage, like a movie montage. That's right. Yeah. I I also like the idea of having that vision of what you want the space to be and then working like the artist to subtract, add, create, shape it into making it that space. And sometimes it turns out better than expected. Sometimes it turns out different than expected. But then when you walk into that space, Mm-hmm. what's amazing is you don't actually think about what's missing anymore it actually right. just becomes something new entirely which is a really Definitely. beautiful process and you know if you're not a visual person then I say go with what feels go with your feeling ask yourself how do I want to feel when I come in this room mm-hmm. and then make incremental changes until you get there yeah I was gonna say whistle while you work yeah <laughs> you know or fart whatever you do you. <laughs> Happy spring cleaning.